This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Hurley. Season 2, Episode 3, Mrs. Doubtfire, Robin Williams, 1993. Every weekend, the San Francisco Experience features a brief review of a film, a book, an actor, an artist, or a musician who epitomizes the best of San Francisco and the Bay Area and Northern California. Today's podcast will focus on Robin Williams and his portrayal of a 60-year-old Scottish housekeeper by the name of Mrs. Euphrogenia Doubtfire. But of the numerous acting roles that he starred in, Mrs. Doubtfire really shows Robin Williams at his comedic best with the full wide range of his skills on display character acting, accent mimicry, quick wit, impeccable timing, absurd lampooning of stereotypes, and high physical energy. Later in the podcast, we'll come on to talk about Robin's broader career, both as a stand-up comedian and as a dramatic actor. But initially, we'll focus on the film Mrs. Doubtfire. The plot is somewhat nonsensical in true Hollywood tradition. Set in the very Tony San Francisco neighborhood of Pacific Heights, in fact, the house is actually 2640 Steiner Street, Uh, the beautiful Victorian home is the marital home of Miranda Hilliard, played by Sally Field, and her husband Daniel Hilliard, played by Robin Williams. She is a very successful, buttoned-down, professional businesswoman, and he is a part-time voiceover actor, so somewhat mismatched professionally between the two of them. They have three children, and they, at this point, both Daniel and Miranda are separated, and Daniel gets to see the kids once a week. Daniel, of course, is very devoted to his children, and the oldest boy, who's 12, has a birthday. So, of course, Robin Williams, Daniel, being Daniel, uh, throws a riotous birthday party for his oldest son. And the party, of course, in true Robin Williams tradition, is over the top. The house is trashed. The outside of the house looks like a zoo. Um, And of course, button-down Miranda comes home from work, uh, looks at her beautiful Victorian house on Steiner Street, uh, looking trashed and looking like a wreck. And for her, this is the last straw with her former husband that she shares custody with her children with. The house is in a shambles. She has it out with Daniel and tells him, that's it. The marriage is over, and in fact, I don't even, I'm not even sure that you should continue on with the custody arrangement that we currently have. Daniel, of course, is crushed by this. He loves his kids. He still has feelings for Miranda, but clearly the marriage is over, but he does want to do his utmost to keep his relationship with his kids. Miranda, at this point, has already started dating someone else. Another corporate titan by the name of Stu Dunmire, played by Pierce Brosnan. And she also tells Daniel that, by the way, 
Um, she's advertising for a housekeeper. She's going to find a housekeeper because her the demands of her job and her new relationship are such that she needs to have somebody living at the house full time, taking care of the kids and essentially being uh, a substitute uh, parent, if you will. Uh, Daniel, who only gets to see his kids once a week, decides that having another housekeeper stepping in between him and his kids is too much. He has a brainwave and he decides that he will apply for the job of the housekeeper. So he goes to his brother, who is played by Harvey Firestein, and Harvey Firestein is a makeup artist. So Harvey and his partner, who's also a makeup artist, start experimenting with, uh, with Robin, with Daniel, with different female personas to try to make him look like a credible housekeeper so that, uh, so that Daniel can apply for the new job. They start off with a, uh, with a Latina that doesn't quite fit the role. Uh, then they move on to a Barbara Streisand uh, clone, uh, complete with the, uh, the Brooklyn accent. That doesn't quite work. And then they begin molding this character of this 60-year-old grandmotherly lady. Uh, and Robin, of course, being the great accent mimic that he is, decides that she's going to be Scottish and that she will have a Scottish brogue and a Scottish burr. They finish the makeup. They dress him up in matronly clothes and sensible shoes, send him off to Steiner Street. Um, Robin arrives on the doorstep, knocks on the door. Sally Fields opens the door and she's smitten by this very prim and proper elderly Scottish lady who she takes an immediate shine to. And after walking through the duties of the housekeeper and meeting the children, um, Sally decides to hire Mrs. Doubtfire on the spot as the children's as the children's governess and housekeeper. Again, this is an only in Hollywood moment. The film, on a somewhat serious note, addresses uh, complex family issues such as divorce, separation of parents, custody of children, the impact on children, etc. Uh, stepping out of the film for a minute and coming back to the makeup, the makeup was uh, very complex. In fact, they, uh, the film actually won an Oscar for Best Makeup. It took three hours to apply the makeup to Robin, and it took one hour to get the makeup off. For the eight or nine hours that he was on camera, uh, they were very long days. Three hours to put the makeup on, eight hours before the camera, another hour to get the makeup off. So he was putting in 12 to 14 hour days when he was on location in San Francisco. The climax of the film comes with a crazy dinner where um, both Stu and Miranda have invited the whole family, including Mrs. Doubtfire, to a fancy restaurant downtown San Francisco where they're going to make a big announcement. We, you can imagine what that's going to be. At the same time, uh, as luck would have it, and only in Hollywood uh, tradition, the same restaurant is the venue for a dinner where Daniel, in his persona as 
the TV voiceover actor, has been discovered by a TV producer, and that TV producer wants to interview him the same night in the same restaurant, but in a different room in the same restaurant as the dinner with Miranda. Again, an only in Hollywood moment. So you have Robin Williams running back from room to room, first as Mrs. Doubtfire, then as Daniel, then as Mrs. Doubtfire, then as Daniel. Um, Daniel is still carrying a torch for Miranda, and he's somewhat jealous of Stu, the interloper, who has won Miranda's heart. So Stu, as part of, uh, Stu is about to tuck into his dinner, but unbeknownst to him, Mrs. Doubtfire has liberally sprinkled his dinner with cayenne pepper. He takes one bite, he begins to choke, and then Mrs. Doubtfire jumps to the rescue, administers the Heimlich maneuver, and as he is, as Mrs. Doubtfire is doing the Heimlich maneuver on Stu Dunmire, some of his makeup and wig and prosthesis falls off. To the horror of Miranda and the kids, they realize that all along Mrs. Doubtfire has been Daniel, Daniel Miranda, ex-husband and father to the kids. Miranda goes ballistic. At that point, she says that she's going to take Daniel to court and is going to remove any custody rights that, uh, that he has and that she will sue for uh, full sole custody. The next step we see in a courtroom, Miranda is awarded sole custody of the children and Daniel, of course, is crestfallen. But on a professional note, Daniel's career is taking off. That uh, TV producer has decided to create a new TV program starring this elderly Scottish housekeeper played by Daniel. And it's called, it's a children's program called Euphigenia's House, where um, a little bit like um, Fred Rogers uh, in drag, if you will, and with a Scottish accent. So Euphigenia's House becomes a great hit on TV. And as Miranda's at home one morning, she's channeling around the dials. She lands upon the uh, Euphigenia's House program and she's watching Euphigenia Doubtfire telling a, a little story to a young girl about family love and how the most important thing for a family is simply to have love and love is what makes a family a family. Of course, Miranda's very touched by this and the film ends on the note of Miranda having second thoughts about bringing Daniel back into the life of her children. So that is the film, um, a little uh, silly plot, but funny nonetheless. And of course, Robin Williams makes the film with his great wit and charm and energy. It was a $25 million budget film. The film actually grossed $441 million. It was the second highest grossing film of 1993. It debuted to somewhat mixed reviews but it ranked number 67 on the American Film Institute's Top 100 Films for Laughs.
So who was Robin Williams? Robin McLaurin Williams was born July 21, 1951 in Chicago, Illinois, and died August 11, 2014 in Tiburon, California at the age of 63. An actor and a comedian, he won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in Goodwill Hunting in 1998. He also won four Golden Globes and several Emmys. So he was very accomplished as a comedian and as a serious dramatic actor. His father was an executive with the Ford Motor Company. And after a move to Detroit, the family finally settled in Tiburon, California. Robin attended Redwood High School, where he excelled academically and was accepted at the Claremont Men's College down in Los Angeles. But after one year of study at Claremont, he returned home to Tiburon and he decided to attend the College of Marin studying theater and dramatic arts. The College of Marin is the junior college of Marin County. From the College of Marin, he was accepted at the Juilliard School in New York. And when he began at the Juilliard School in New York, he ended up as the roommate to Christopher Reeve of Superman fame. And as roommates, they got to know each other very well. They became very close. And Christopher always marveled at Robin's high energy and almost manic energy. His improvisational comedy was what brought him back to California. And he made the rounds of the comedy clubs, both in San Francisco and Los Angeles. And he did very well in the early 1970s as a stand-up comic, again, given his very uh, quick wit, his intelligence, broad vocabulary. Uh, he was a natural. He fed off the energy of his audiences. His audiences loved him, and he just got better and better as he stood on the stage, the improv stage, before an audience. Through the early and mid-1970s, he had several TV appearances, including on The Laugh-In and several other uh, long-forgotten sitcoms. But his big break came in 1978 when he was given a co-starring role in a sitcom called Mork and Mindy. Mork, his role, was uh, he played the role of a funny extraterrestrial who lived with a girl by the name of Mindy. The program went on for four seasons and it did very well. So starting in 1978, at the age of 27, he had his own top-running sitcom at the age of 27. And from 27 until he died when he was 63, he was on the top of his game he was a household name and a very much beloved entertainer in America. His comedy was a unique blend of quick-witted physicality, intelligent vocabulary, character impersonation, voice and accent mimicry, and high, almost manic energy and an ability honed through improv 
to connect very closely with his audience. I'd really commend to your attention a clip, the clip of his acceptance of the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor in Goodwill Hunting in 1998. If you go to YouTube, watch the clip. It is the most endearing acceptance speech for an Oscar winner that I think I've ever heard. Um, Robin shows an enthusiasm and a childlike boyish disbelief that he has won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. I really commend it to your attention because you will see him in his honesty, in his excitement, in his energy, and in his humility having won having won an Oscar and having reached that pinnacle of success as an actor. At times, he would get too far ahead of his audience when he was on the stage, and he was two, three, four steps ahead of his audience when his audience was still trying to figure out the first joke, and he was already on to number three. So sometimes he had to slow it down a little bit, but uh, he was, uh, he had, normally he had very great timing. But despite all of his professional success, both as a comedian and as a serious dramatic actor, the twin demons of alcohol and drugs stalked him from the late 1970s until his death in 2014. He was married three times, and he was the father to three children, Zach, Zelda, and Cody. He and his family lived in a grand home in the Seacliff neighborhood of San Francisco with sweeping views of the Golden Gate Bridge for some 20 years. As a family, they were very philanthropic and supportive of local charities and were very definitely a part of the community. When his life ended in 2014, he had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and he dreaded facing a life of steady and deep, debilitating decline. After he died, a tunnel com connecting the Golden Gate Bridge to Marin County and Tiburon was renamed in his honor. And every time I pass through the tunnel, on my way across the Golden Gate Bridge, I'm reminded of his wit, his humor, his serious side, the twinkle in his eye, his timing, the fun person that he was. And as we draw to a close, let me share with you some of his quotations so that you can remember him and his energetic and perceptive creative wit. He was very charismatic and he could captivate you with his intelligence. Here are a few of his quotes. So this is Robin Williams in his own words. Some are born great, some achieve greatness, and some get greatness as a graduation gift. You're only given one little splash of madness 
you mustn't lose it. What's right is what's left if you do everything else wrong. And if it's the psychic network, why do they need a phone number? And why do they call it rush hour if no one moves? Make your life spectacular. I know I did. Never pick a fight with an ugly person. They've got nothing to lose. And the other night, we had gay burglars. They broke in and rearranged the furniture. Cricket is basically baseball on Valium. Did you notice that Nancy never drinks water when Ronnie is speaking? You'll need to think about that one. And finally, when I went into rehab in wine country, I was just keeping my options open. So they are quotes from Robin Williams. Robin Williams in his own words, and I wanted to leave you with Robin's own words rather than mine. Our sources for today's podcast have been biography.com, The Guardian, The Film, Mrs. Doubtfire, and IMDB. Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Experience. This is your host, Jim Hurley, signing off from America's favorite city, San Francisco.